So for the past few moments of our evening together, I'd like to introduce some concepts to you, which I think you find very useful in seeing the overview of how meditation fits in with your life in general. Because in Buddhism, although meditation is of course very important, but it is not everything of uh, our practice. Mm-hmm. If we meditate but we don't take care of our surroundings, the people around us, if we don't know how to behave or how to have good manners in our life, for example, even though in the beginning we may meditate very well, but later we may find that we can no longer make any progress in our meditation because both meditation and the culture of Buddhism need to go hand in hand if you are to make progress on the path. So today I'd like to talk a little bit about the overview of everything, not just meditation, but all the forms of practice in our life. And it's not my idea, but it comes from Buddhism, but it's maybe in a form which is uh, more concise, maybe more graphical than you have seen before, because it comes from the teaching of the vice abbot of our temple, Venerable Tatajiwo, who has spent 30 years as a monk trying to find ways in which to explain what the Buddha taught to us in a way which we can remember and practice easily. So it's not me who you have to thank for this, but it should be uh, the vice abbot, because it's uh, some of his very latest thinking in this uh, department. In the old days he used to talk a lot about responsibilities and of course we need to be responsible to ourselves and in the old days for those who have read uh, the book uh, Blueprint for a Global Being have you looked at that? Hmm? No? All about six directions don't know six directions north, south, east, west Hmm? You don't know what are six directions? Hmm? No idea? Uh, I think this week I will maybe give a lecture every day. Mm-hmm. But today I give you the overview, okay? And then if there are some things which you are interested in, you may ask and we have all week. If I see some of you come every day. So uh, if you come really every day, you can we can get the whole picture in the course of a week. There's a picture as well, which will help you to remember what we are talking about. The most important thing to think of, first of all, I don't know if you ever thought of this question, where do you think your habits come from? Your good habits and your bad habits, where do you think they come from? The mind, your children, come from the time you are a child, yeah? And how did they get there then, in your personality? 
What is important about habits is things that we do again and again, things that we say again and again, things that we think again and again. These are things which come to be our habits. So if you habitually do things which are good, say things which are good, and think things which are good, then that becomes good habits for you in the end. In the end. Mm-hmm. How about if you spend all your time uh, saying, thinking and doing things which are bad, then eventually it becomes bad habits. And when we get these habits, uh, the things which we start to pick up these habits from a time which we are very young. Sometimes you wouldn't believe how early we start to be affected by the world around us. But to give some examples, suppose you have a small child and the child is not yet eating solid food, you just give it milk in a bottle, okay? In the beginning, the child will start to pick up habits just from how regularly you give it the milk when it is hungry. Suppose you have a child and every time it's hungry it starts to cry. The parents say, oh, uh, just a moment, I just do something very important and I come and give you some milk. So the child is left to cry every time before it gets what it wants. That's already starting to build up some sort of habit for the child that they have to always make themselves unpleasant before they get what they want. And it starts from the time that they are six months old. Some other uh, parents, they are afraid that will happen to their uh, children. So what do they do? Then the baby is asleep in the cradle. They just put a bottle in its mouth and leave it there. So the moment the child opens his eyes, it already can just, it doesn't even need to open its eyes, it already has milk to drink. So that is the start of a child with habits which are uh, going to be very lazy. don't have to do anything, it can get what it wants. Mm-hmm. And also when it grows up it will be like a small pig. Eh? <laughs> because lazy and, and it will always has more than it needs. So usually fat and lazy... <laughs> So it starts to have habits from the time they are young. If it is a baby which is fed on time, then it will start to have uh, the feeling that the world is something systematic. The world is something which uh, is predictable. And such a baby will have already from a very young age a much better uh, personality. But you ask why? It's not because of past karma, but simply by what the, how the parents treat the baby already it starts to build up certain habits. Some other things about bringing up children also affect the children very strongly. For example, do you send your children to bed on time or not? Or do you let your children just fall asleep anywhere in front of the television? Mm-hmm. Because many parents, they don't 
really bring up their children, they just give them their meals and they let them do what they want. But what happens when their children don't sleep on time, when they wake up, they are in a bad mood and they, are, they have not had enough sleep. So do they want to go to school? No. So what are they going to do about it? If they go to school, then they are reluctant to go to school. Already they have a bad idea about education. Or, if they really don't want to go to school, they may lie, start to lie to their parents that uh, they are ill, or today they cannot go to school because they are not well. So you start to create the roots of children who like to lie to their parents, simply by the fact that you didn't send them to bed on time. It's Sometimes uh, small things, but for the future of the child it's very significant. Just the fact that the child doesn't go to bed on time may have a big result for the results in school and eventually for whether they may go to university, whether they may have a good career all their life. So if you ask the first question about where our habits come from, it comes from the people closest to us. Especially when we are young, there are six groups which are closest to us. The first is our parents. The second is our teachers. Sometimes we don't pick up so many good habits from our home. But if our teachers take good care of us, give us encouragement that education is important, you have to try hard, you cannot just uh, waste your time at school. Sometimes, even if the children haven't had a good experience at home, but the teachers can make up for it. So we have the second major group is the teachers. The next group which comes to influence us is our husband and wife. You pick up a lot of habits from your husband and wife, whether they be good or bad. Next major group is our friends. Apart from that, anyone who is an employer here, anyone who is a boss here, you know that uh, if you have to be responsible for uh, other people in your workplace, you start to be affected by their habits. Suppose you go to work in a new place and you are very uh, uh, fussy about everything, but you find that all the people working for you say, oh, anything is okay. If you find that also your boss doesn't care either, Eventually, you lower your standards to be like your uh, people working for you. Because you, you don't know how to do something about it. So you start to be affected by them as well. Also creates habits. And last but not least, the monks, the spiritual teachers in your life, they are ones who create habits for you. Hopefully good ones. Huh? <laughs> this group of six is what we call six directions. It's not directions, but it's six social groups who affect us and it said that these people are our environment not environment like trees and grass that is also having an effect on us but it is our human environment and when we look at this pyramid which you can see on the uh, diagram here ourself is a yellow circle in the center of the pyramid this is ourself but our self is influenced by three major groups the group above which we are just talking about the green one, the environment this is the six 
directions in our life. The six major groups in our life who give us the first understanding of what it's like to be a person who helps other people, who doesn't think only of themselves. Because if you live in a family, then you cannot think of yourself anymore. Eh? If you are left but just by yourself in a vacuum, you don't need to be patient, you don't need to share what you have, you don't learn any of these things. But all the habits which you have in relation to the world about you comes from these six directions. Some people even go so far as to call them the masters of our life. But they are not the whole of our life, but they are the starting point for the habits in our life. Okay, he got the idea of uh, the second group, the red one in the left-hand corner, this is society. And once we have learned how to get it right for our environment, get it right for ourselves, uh, and right, maybe I should talk a little bit how, about how we can take responsibility for ourselves. What are the four major things which uh, we are taught by the six directions? which may cause us to succeed or fail in our life. Basically, it is how to be a decent human being. To be a decent human being... Can we have the next slide, please? I don't know if you can actually read it. But I, I'll tell you about it, okay? Uh, if we... The sort of habits which we want to build up for ourselves is that we want to have responsibility for our own human dignity. This is the biggest gift which we can get from our six directions. And in terms of the Lord Buddha's teaching, he said that the way we show that we are responsible for ourselves is that we keep at least the first four precepts. We don't kill, we don't steal, we don't commit adultery and we don't tell lies. If we don't manage to keep these four uh, precepts, the one who suffers the most of all is ourselves because we are no longer a decent human being anymore but we are more like a savage. If you want to live in the forest of Borneo where you can eat people, where you can steal people and uh, no one cares whose wife is whose wife, and no one cares about telling the truth anymore, then maybe you can understand why we consider ourselves to be civilized human beings. Why? Because being civilized depends on our behavior. And hopefully, if we have come from a good home, from a good school, from a good circle of friends, from a good workplace, then at least, the very least, if we want to be a decent human being, we have at least these four habits that... At least this baseline of four habits, we are not going to go any lower than that. Hmm? If you can manage that, you can congratulate yourself. You can say, well done, you are now a decent human being. That is, that you are not some sort of animal, at least. Eh? But no better than that. If you want to be a leader in life, if you want to be a president, I don't think they are going to accept you yet. But at least you can say, uh, the police are not uh, coming to catch you. Eh? It's a very baseline, okay? 
If you want to measure morality in terms of the law, then you can say, if you can come to be responsible for yourself, then at least you are a decent citizen, okay? But maybe you didn't do anything good for society yet. But you can live alone and you don't create problems for anybody. This is the first step which we can hope to succeed in as Buddhists, okay? But really, coming is becoming soon. Eh? It's coming soon. We didn't miss it out. It is coming in the brown corner, okay? Mm-hmm. If we can manage to be a decent human being for ourselves, uh, not moving yet, eh? not moving yet. Uh, we can move on in our personal path of progress to become uh, a little bit more of a decent person by doing what? By moving out into society as a good friend to other people, starting to make decisions which affect other people's lives. This immediately starts to happen if we take responsibility for our family. If we are in a workplace, we must take responsibility to make decisions which affect other people. Immediately, we must start to have more virtues than before because we cannot just please ourselves. Okay, we didn't break the law, but now the things which we decide affect other people's lives as well. So, when we move down from the green to the yellow, now to the red, we have to equip ourselves with four more virtues. And they are all virtues about how to make fair decisions. If we are to move down into the red corner in order to be not only a good person but also a good leader to other people, then we need to be able to take fair decisions in our lives, not to allow four things to upset our fair decision making. And these four things are greed, hatred, delusion or ignorance and fear. If we are allowing our decision-making to be affected by these four things, then it's called bias. Have you heard of bias? It's like when you you know something is correct, it should be so, but instead of it, that you go so. <laughs> so, because of the working of impurities in your mind. For example, suppose your relative does something to break the law, But because they are your relative, you tell lies in order to mislead the police. Really, they should be punished for what they do. But because of your liking for them, you you don't allow uh, justice to take its path. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another example for uh, hatred. Some uh, people who are judges in court, maybe they don't like black people. So any black person who comes in court, they are all wrong. They all have a put in prison. No matter whether they, they did it or not, they don't care because he hates anyone who is black. So put them all in prison. This is an example of bad decision making affected by someone's hatred. How about delusion? Delusion can also affect people when they think they know something, but in fact they don't really know. A very simple example of this It's like a boss in a workplace. Two of his employees, they are fighting. 
So he calls one of them, what is it all about? And he said, oh, he started the fight. Oh, really? Is that true? Okay, then fire the other guy then. Is that fair? Hmm? No? It saves a lot of time. eh? But really, he must listen to both sides of the story, all of the information before he makes a decision. Eh? Otherwise, he is taking decision on the basis of delusion. And what about fear? Well, maybe not in Singapore, but in Thailand anyway. If the policeman sees uh, someone wearing army uniform going through the red light, uh, (laughs) never mind. Why doesn't he catch him? Because he catches everyone else who goes through a red light. Because he's afraid that if he does catch this guy, then it may affect his promotion prospects. So, oh, better just turn a blind eye. So he's doing it because of fear. He has a duty to do, but he doesn't do it because of his fear. And if you are a person who still allows your decision making to be affected by these four things, then really you are not yet ready to be a good leader in society. It sounds simple, but if you try it for yourself, you know it's not at all easy. And really, your success as a leader to other people depends entirely on these four things. The better you can train yourself to do the things which are uh, you must do, whether you like it or not, whether, what, no matter what your feeling is, uh, to do what is correct in any situation, the more your ability will be to be a leader of other people. Why? Because not many people are able to do this. If you can do it, then you put yourself above the other people. You will be able to be taking more responsibility. So nearly everything about our responsibility to others in society depends on us avoiding bias on four different levels. And how about if we want to go further than that? So far we got to be a decent human being and we get to be a decent leader. But only a decent leader, nothing special yet. If we want to be a really outstanding leader, if we want to be a great leader, then we have to move from the red uh, sphere across the bottom to the brown sphere. May we have the next slide? Looks about the same, eh? The sphere in the lower right-hand corner is a sphere of economics. And this is something new, which before in our temple we didn't talk about so much. But after a lot of experience trying to apply Buddhist uh, principles, we found there's always something missing. For those of you who have studied the old uh, teachings of the blessings of life, Sometimes you find there seems to be something missing. And the vice abbot has concluded for us more recently that the thing which is missing, in fact, it is all about economics. Sometimes in Buddhism, we think, oh, Buddhists must have no possessions and must be very poor and never use anything, always borrow everything. (laughs) Because they think Buddhists and being economics is opposed to one another. But in fact, this is not true. 
if we study more carefully about what the Buddha really taught about economics, there is a whole lot of teachings about economics. And it said that if you want to move from being a good leader to be a great leader, then economics is the final thing which you have to take a clear interest about. How can we be good in economics? Basically, it means being responsible for an ethical economy. Uh, this means two main things. First thing is, when we earn our living, we should earn our living in a way which is not having, uh, not damaging to society. You know what we mean by that? You know any particular forms of trade which we should try to avoid? What? Five? Five? Ah, we have five. Who can remember all five? Mm. Selling meat? No, not right so far. <laughs> Wine is correct. One point for the man at the back. <laughs> drugs also, but drugs and alcohol, in fact, they go together. You only get one so far. Selling human beings or slaves or even prostitutes is also counted as human beings. Hmm? Weapons three. What do you put down for rats? Hmm? Selling uh, animals, but not just selling them, selling them to the slaughterhouse. Hmm? And no, drugs and alcohol come together. <laughs> one, one missing. What do you put? What do some people put out for rats? Poison, selling poison also. So it's five. Huh? The Buddha said. We should try our utmost to avoid doing these traits. Because, okay, these five are four forms of selling things, but in fact there are a lot of things which are damaging for society. To give an example, they may be, on the surface, they don't look like they are a problem. Because you say, well, I'm selling some drugs here, uh, I sell it to all the children in the neighborhood and I sell at a fair price. So I'm not uh, taking advantage of anybody. Right? Or I sell alcohol to all the drunks on the street and I sell at a very reasonable price. Hmm? You say, well, I'm very honest. Huh? I'm an honest man, I sell drugs at a fair price. Yeah? But there is a catch. Eh? Sorry? Yeah, because you have to ask yourself what are the things you are selling to them going to do for the youth of tomorrow? That's one thing. You destroy the society by what you are selling. Also, you destroy yourself because suppose you sell alcohol in a, in a corner store. Uh, liquor store on the corner. Who do you see all day long? Who are your best customers? 
a whole lot of drunks. Eh? So all the people you associate all day long, they are drunks. So how this starts to affect your thinking. If you see someone drunk and lying in the street, you think, oh good. Because before long he will wake up and come and buy some more from me. So that's good business. If you sell weapons, if people are at peace, oh, very boring. <laughs> but when they have a war, oh, that's good for business. So the more they kill each other, it's great. Yeah. So you start to have a very twisted view of the world. So yes, when you destroy society, but also you start to destroy your own way of thinking. And the, your chance to see the value of doing good deeds, it becomes much less. Because always your profits are tied up with doing things which are bad for society. But it's not, these are not the only things, but there are five examples of things which are clearly are damaging for society. But other things like, of course, any form of criminal activities, they are also wrong livelihood. Even uh, shopkeepers who, who uh, the, the scales which they use to weigh out the vegetables, they, they put lead on one side to make it heavier on the side. All these tricks of the trade, they are also wrong livelihood. Um, misleading people, salesmen misleading people, they say, oh, you want to buy this gold tray from me? And they say, oh, they scratch it with a pin. Oh, it's solid gold. I give you $100 for that. And they say, and I want 100 more the same. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But another 99, they are gold plated. Eh? <laughs> After they get the specification, uh, you give them a whole lot of shoddy goods. Eh? It's all wrong livelihood. This is one side of things we should avoid if we are to have responsibility for fair economics. But on the other side, there are many teachings in Buddhism connected with how we can have good economics. And today I will speak very briefly about four ways uh, how we can make ourselves uh, prosper in the present lifetime. There are four teachings in Buddhism. Uh, in Thai they are called U A Ka Sa. They are abbreviation. Eh? U A Ka Sa. They are coming from Pali. Uh, U comes from the Pali word Uttana Sampata which means you must be very diligent in getting as much money as possible. Not sleep around, oh, nine o'clock, oh, the sun is very bright, I better go and do something now. You should be working hard to get uh, uh, income. Mm? And now we have seen how you may do it and what to avoid, then you should work hard to get an income in a way which is uh, honest. And also it is doing something of benefit for society. U A Am comes from Araka Sampata. In Pali this means you need to take care of what you have, what you have earned, not just allow it to disappear because of floods, because of uh, excessive taxation, because of robbers, because of uh, fire, for example. Don't allow it to disappear for no reason. Mm. So after you get it, by your diligent efforts, you should take good care of what you have earned. Don't let it just disappear easily. U-A-Ka 
กะคำสนเวิร์ดคาลิยานมิตตา no k a l y a n a m i t t a you know already in fact it's the same word it means that you before you spend what you have you must build up a network around yourself of good friends why because if you don't build up a network of good friends around yourself you find yourself surrounded by mafia and if you are surrounded by mafia do you think you will be able to use your income for something useful It's, it's something which is a big uh, identifying feature of Buddhist economics. No other economics in the world teaches this subject: that you should uh, create a network of good people around yourself before you spend your money. And this is why we have to take an interest in creating good people around ourselves in the world. This is why we cannot just oh I did my meditation already that's okay I can forget about the rest of the world because we need to do something for the rest of the world if we don't then in fact we are neglecting our duty as Buddhists we need to do something for other people out there too not give all our time for other people but we need to do something we need to split our time for the benefit of other people too to build up a network of good people around ourselves. Only then do we come to the last factor of uh, prosperity in the present lifetime, which is samajivita, which means when you spend, you should spend in accordance with your means. So, if you have a low income, then you should spend according. Uh, you should not be excessive. If you have a high income, that means you must spend a lot. But maybe you spend more. Maybe you can afford to spend more, but you should spend more in order to give more benefits. Mm-hmm. Even if you are rich, if you spend more than you earn, you are already in debt. So poverty can have two reasons: either because you don't earn enough, or because you spend more than you earn. Mm-hmm. Can have two reasons. So for rich people, if you are any rich people out there, uh, be careful. Mm-hmm. Don't just think I'm rich. I can spend now as much as I want, because most of the richest people they are very careful about how they spend. This is how they come to be rich. Mm-hmm. So these four uh, ways of looking after your uh, livelihood, uh, having a right livelihood, and also uakasa the diligent earning, looking after what you earn, building up a network of good people around yourself. And spending in accordance with your means, these are the basis of having responsibility for your uh, fair uh, fairness in the economy. And if we look at this uh, pyramid here, what we find is that uh, ourself is dictated. The, the whole of society is dictated by the quality and the balance which we can find between these three. Corners of the pyramid. If we can do all three, okay, we get to be a great leader. But the reason we are a great leader is because we help to make society a good structure. I don't know if we can have the next slide. Let's go further. Next slide again. Go further. Two more slides ahead. 
go further. Okay, this one. If people don't have a balance between all three corners of the pyramid, then when people come to fit together as triangles in society, everyone is one triangle, but we, we fit together as triangles together in society, if people are not in the center of their pyramid or in the center of their triangle, the structure of society becomes very messy like you can see in this uh, model. It's a very weak structure and the way we share what we have, for example, you can see many people are surrounding one red dot. That means everyone is sharing society. So you find that one red dot has six people around it. And those are our six directions. Eh? As for green ones, this means that we share our environment with other people. Hmm? But if we don't share it in a balanced way, then it makes society in a very irregular structure, a very weak structure, and we have social decay. Can we have the next slide? But if we can be in the center of our pyramid, the center of our triangle, and everyone else is in the center of the triangle, they have a balance in the way which they practice the Buddhism, then we have structure of society is almost like a snowflake. Eh? Very regular, very strong society, where everyone takes responsibility for their own uh, three points of their triangle. And like this, the policemen, they will be out of a job. Eh? because no one is creating problems for society anymore. So if you are interested, we can look in more detail at each of the uh, corners of the pyramid. Hmm? Maybe this week if you are interested, uh, because there's a lot more detail than this. Hmm? But I think it's important for everyone to know. Today we heard about uh, how we, as a good friend, can help people to reprogram their lives. Hmm? And what are we helping to reprogram it with? Exactly this triangle. We give them this triangle, it's like a chip which you put in a computer to make the computer work better. But instead of being a chip which you can touch and hold, it is a chip which is all about virtues. Virtues in three different areas which you must have in order that your life can be balanced in order that society and ourselves can go forward together. So this is like uh, a new program for uh, making peace in society, while at the same time ensuring that we have a good environment for our meditation. It's not like, okay, we are nice and safe in our meditation center, the moment we walk outside the door, the people next door are waiting to, to mug us or something. Why? It would tell us that we are not doing our job well enough to, to reach out to other people in society. So you can see that it's not that we are being selfish to practice uh, Buddhism, but through our, our meditation should be the inspiration to do something for everyone. So if we have more time over the rest of the week, then I look in more detail at uh, each of these areas. Because it should be something which you have always at the top of your mind. If you are familiar with these things, when you meet situations in your life, you know, as a Buddhist, where do I stand? How should I make a decision in this situation? Because the Buddha, he has given us advice on all of these things. Hmm?
But for today, I conclude there, so as not to be too long. And we pay respect to the Triple Gem together.